0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for the value you've placed on every life in this room. Amen. Amen. Just before I introduce Mike Sexton, our guest speaker this morning. I wanted to just come over to Annette, because uh, she has a, just a little something to say to the men who are here. So let's give our attention to Annette. <laughs> okay, I'm old enough to do this. Um, on behalf of the women in this room, I want to honor you men. We give you honor for being men of God that are willing to stand up for what's honorable and true. And we thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Annette. We bless you too. We love you. Well, I have the great joy of introducing to you a good friend of mine. Come on, Mike. This man ain't from around here. But he's even more good value than I am in terms of accent and anointing. And so Mike and his wife, Monique, lead the Catch the Fire Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Way up there in the mountains. And... uh, He's got a bunch of his guys here with him, so don't try and beat him up while they're watching. But, <laughs> but I've told Mike that we love to let Holy Spirit do whatever Holy Spirit wants to do around here, mm-hmm. and that seems to fit his agenda. So Mike, Mike is going to cooperate with Holy Spirit, and he's going to take it over from here. Awesome. Do whatever you want to. Yes, do whatever God wants you to. That's
1: right. Okay, that's pretty dangerous.
0: Amen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is going to get fun, I can tell you right now. <laughs> Mark, I got to say, you got the greatest people. I mean, everybody is so polite. And uh, just give yourselves a hand. I love you guys. I mean, um, I'm Tennessee Mike. That's what people call me. So you have to get adjusted just a little bit to my accent, maybe. But I got that name because I did a trip to Israel a few years ago. I've been there several times. And I was with a bunch of Canadians. (laughs) There's a Canadian right there I can find. (laughs) (laughs) And so they, I thought they were, you know, they really were just thinking I was the greatest, uh, because I'd been there before, you know, extra tour guide, because they kept calling me to the front of the bus, to, you know, say things about that thing or that thing. You know, I found out later they just wanted to hear my accent. (laughs) Man, I was going to, I was like explaining everything. And some of them would come up at the end and say, what now can you repeat all of that? I didn't get, I got a few words there. We got to Israel and uh, so I had to, had time where I was speaking in the Bet Hillel Church. We, you got a, I don't know if you ever heard of that church, Mark or John. I know y'all been there. How many's been to Israel? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, there's a church over there. There's two churches I'm involved with, the Bet Hillel Church and another church called I can't remember just now. But he's a, he's a, um, he's an Arab pastor, spirit Field. His name's his name is Salim Salash. If you wanna. If you want to go on Facebook and friend him, he'll he'll probably you know accept your request. He comes through the states. He is an Arab that is fire. I'm talking about fire, and he's bringing in uh, quite a few uh, Islamic people, Muslim people into the kingdom, and Palestinians into the kingdom. He's a wonderful brother. But there's another church over there called the Bet Hillel Church where I got to speak at, and so I had um, I had an interpreter here and. I got up, and I'm like telling this, you know, telling about sharing scriptures and all. He stopped me. He said, what accent is that? <laughs> Go slow. Go slow. <laughs> so I really drew it out, you know, and then he's looking at me like. So anyway, I got through it, but I, I did not realize that everybody else had an accent, and I'm the only one that talks right. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> I love Mark's accent, man. My wife yesterday, she was she's back in Knoxville, uh, leading worship, and she said, "Can we just go listen to Mark talk?" <laughs> uh, Mark and Jane, I love their accent. Y'all are blessed to have a great pastor. You really are. You're blessed. Great pastors. I love these guys, man. And the more I get to know them, but I'm Tennessee Mike, and uh, I guess I better tell you something about Tennessee. If you come to Tennessee, and you know you can go, Tennessee people are unusual, but they're great people. Uh, they'll they'll do anything for you, most of them. And um, so, if you go to Tennessee and you go knock on somebody's door and say, "Hey, can I stay a few days?" You know, I don't even know you. They're yeah, yeah, come on in. You know, come on, get you some victuals. Come on over here, and get you some biscuit. So they are nice to you. How y'all doing? How you doing? You know, tell me about, well, on about the third day, they're not going to tell you this, but about the third day, you're going to wear out your welcome. But the Tennessee people, for the most part, are still very nice. They don't want to tell you to leave. So what they do is they say, you know, we're going to take you snipe hunting. (laughs) It is so much fun. And my papa all told me this. He lived in Sneadville, Tennessee. He told me about snipe hunting. So, what snipe hunting is, is we're going to give you a burlap sack. We're going to go down the holler. The holler is a valley between two hills. We're going to go down the holler. We're going to give you a burlap poke. It's not a sack, it's a poke. It's a back. You're going to stay down there, and it's dark. We're going to go on top of the mountain and we're going to rustle the bushes and a snipe's going to come running out. and You get it. You get it. Catch that snipe. And so if they say that to you, do not go. Just pack your bags and go home. Because they're going to leave you down there in the holler. And you ain't going to find your way back for days. And it's so dark there. I live in Manardville, Tennessee. All right? I mean, it's about as country as you can get. My, I mean, my wife is kin is Ken to Roy Acuff, the picker, you know, on the country music. And I'm kin to Hank Garland. He played guitar with Elvis. I don't know if you've ever... And Patsy Cline. So... And, there are, and we both have roots back into Maynardville, Granger... How many has heard of Granger County tomatoes? One? How many? Anybody else? It's the greatest tomatoes in the world. These tomatoes are so good, people fly in from all over the nation and and they come to a big mater festival. (laughs) This is the truth. They make everything out of maters. They don't call them tomatoes, they're maters. Um, That's what they do. They make mater pie, mater cornbread, mater lasagna, mater everything. Then they have this big mater fight, you know, hundreds of people. (laughs) You think I'm kidding. I'm telling you the truth. It's after they've drunk about a gallon of moonshine. (laughs) This is all true. I'm not kidding. I'm I'm telling you the truth. Is it true, Bill? It's true. Rick, is it true? Steve? My guys, raise your hand if all this is true. I'm telling you. (laughs) Don't ever ask directions. Good thing you've got GPS, but there's some roads where I live, your GPS just goes, bye-bye. Don't ask directions. Just go back the way you came forget the trip, okay? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> country folk, country people love to get you lost if you're not from there. <laughs> they go down on their front porch and, hee, 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 I told them to go down to the tractor and turn left at the point, pond, and they sent you somewhere. You ain't never coming back, I'm telling you. Don't ask directions. My friend Tracy came down from New York a few years ago before, before GPS and all, and he asked directions. And he was looking for, I told him to come to Marble Pike. Now, what does that sound like to you? He thought I said Marble Pie. I said Maryville Pike. So, anyway, they got him really lost. He t- he stopped and asked direction. He says, Where's marble pie at? <laughs> well you go down to this you know <laughs> Rick, is that a true story? That, and he we have a main road through Nospel called Kingston Pike. And the pastor mentioned the name of this road to him and he said, What is gangsta pie? So he thought it was gangsta pie and marble pie. I'm not that bad. Okay, let me tell you one more thing to help you with the South, okay? The Southern and Tennessee is a little different than everybody else. Now, you have a Southern accent. Southern accent. I'm going to get in the message in just a moment, but (laughs) you need to laugh a little bit. So from, like, Texas over to here, you know, and from, like, Kentucky down, that's, that's your general Southern accent. You know, you hear... It varies from where you are. You know, you can go in Louisiana and it's here in South Carolina. It varies a little But it's southern for the most part. And bless you all that never picked it up. My wife never picked it up. And, you know, she's, you can't even tell she's, you know, where she's from. But I, I don't know, I fell into it really hard. So, but that's your typical southern. Let me explain southern accents to you. Okay. Then they're Southern. Then there's mountain. Mountain is me, okay? Mountain is when you live near the mountains and, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you talk like me, okay? Southern is kind of all over it. Mountain, you know, there's Creole, there's Louisiana, that kind of thing is different. Texas is a little different. But then there's mountain, that's me. But then there's hillbilly. <laughs> Y'all are not going to understand hillbilly, Okay? So uh, you're not do what? Okay. Summers? <laughs> Summers? Oh, some might. Okay. <laughs> I thought you asked me if I was sober. <laughs> We have southern hearing, too, so we hear different. <laughs> All right. So that's a little bit about Tennessee. Uh, if you come see us, come to Catch the Fire in Oxford. I don't have an interpreter there from southern to your language. You'll just have to jump in. Patricia Bootsma comes, okay? Patricia Bootsma. We love Patricia and John, and we honor them. They're just the greatest people, man, and, and on earth, and... So Patricia came a few years ago. Has she been here, Patricia? Yes. Yeah, and, okay. And she's praying for people up here, and she's like, well, I keep feeling something right there on people's side. You know, I'm not going to, you'll figure what that is. <laughs> so said, don't worry about it. It's this Tennessee thing. <laughs> we, are, we all carry guns. I mean, I, I don't know. We talk, you know, sorry if that offends you. It's just the thing we do. And it's a pretty safe area. Nobody shoots anybody. <laughs> it's pretty... <laughs> and, and, and Patricia leans over and she goes, she's praying for people. And, you know, my people are telling her things, you know, to pray about. And I'm standing here and she, and she goes, she's sitting there shaking her hand. And then she goes, what did they say? <laughs> so I had to interpret my people. <laughs> That's a true story, John. You ask her that. I'm, everything I'm telling you is true. This is true. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. All right, so I want to talk to you all for a minute about um, something God put on my heart, uh, I guess, a couple months ago. It's called the God robe. The God robe. So, I was reading a scripture. This is a very simple message. If you're waiting for something, you know, that's going to take you into a theological brainstorm, you know, you're, 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 this is not that message. Okay? But this is a simple message, but it's life changing. And uh, it's been changing my life as I've been studying. I preached it to my church last week and probably the week before, who knows? And, um, I was reading the scriptures one day in Genesis. I was going back through Genesis and just taking my time and reading the one-year Bible. How many ever read the one-year Bible? Those, that's the greatest way to read through the Bible. I'm telling you. And so I've got the New Living Translation uh, because I like to just read it like a story. You know, I like to just read it. Everybody in Tennessee, they, they, you have to have King James Version or you ain't spiritual. Okay. So that's, that's the mindset a lot up there. So I read a New Living Translation. Oh, did you hear about that church over there? They read New Living Translation. <laughs> but it reads like a story. I love to read the Bible like a story. And so I was reading this thing with Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. His father does something so incredible I don't know why this lit up to me, except God just wanted me to know it. But I saw this thing, and you don't hear a lot of messages on this, that his father called for him, and he was just a young man. He hasn't grown in probably to his clothes or anything, you know. His, and his father, what I mean, but you'll understand what I mean by that. His father gives him a big, beautiful robe, the robe, the coat of many colors. And I heard another minister say there was 18 colors on that robe. Nine gifts, nine fruits of the Spirit. That's what came to me. I don't know if that is true, but that is interesting. But the Bible points it out for a reason. And it says, the Bible says, I never caught this before till I went back and read it in some other translations. It said the sleeves were very long on this rope. So he, he hadn't even grown into it yet. Now you keep that in your mind, keep that in your spirit for a later revelation. He hadn't even grown into it yet, but his father gave him this robe, this beautiful robe. And I don't think he ever lost this robe. I think he wore it all the way up to when he stood beside Pharaoh and ruled Egypt. I really do. Because when the Israeli people do something like that, when the Hebrew people do something like that, it it's not like, okay, I'm going to put that in the yard sale. You know, they don't do that. You know, they don't do that. They, that's, the stuff like that is very sentimental to them. Just like a staff is very sentimental. If, uh, you know, the Hebrew staff, they have marks on them, if you uh, know anything about that, all the way down. And every mark, they can tell you an event that happened, something that happened in their life or something that God did, something they came through. And they would carry those staffs. And, well, robes and garments, very, very important. The Bible has a lot to say about garments if you do a study on that. But he gets this robe. And then you know what happened to Joseph. I won't tell you the whole story. Most of you know the story of Joseph, correct? He goes through these these testings, these trials. He's in prison. You know, God works it out. He's a dreamer. He has this dream where he's in charge of all this. Finally, he gets, you know, up to where he's... He interprets a dream for Pharaoh, which is incredible, I mean, in itself. And if you think about Pharaoh, it's like the president, you know. It's at that level or the, uh, the national ruler. And, and he goes from prison right up to interpret that dream. And when, when he's standing there with Pharaoh, uh, well, he ter- interprets his dream. Uh, a couple more chapters over in 45, all of his brothers come. The ones that betrayed him. All of his brothers are standing before him. But if you ever think about the reaction of Joseph here, you know what he could have done? Off with their head. You know, he could have killed them right there. He's like, these guys, get, you know, they're, they deserve it. And I'm going to put them in prison and I'm going to have them beheaded. But he sees them and he begins to weep. These are the guys that wanted to kill him. He weeps over them. He weeps over them. And he, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. I started crying. I'm not really a crier, but man, I got it one day. I saw this love of Joseph and this compassion. And all of a sudden, he says something so incredible. He says, I'm here to save you. And I'm here to save people and help them survive. And I'm here to save Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh was not a believer, y'all. He was into pagan gods, and most of them were anyway. I mean, maybe Joseph had some influence on him. But I'm here to save Pharaoh's house. God put me in this position to save people. I started thinking about that. The story starts out with this robe, this coat of many colors, The fruits, the gifts, I believe that represents of the Spirit, and it represents a whole lot more than that. Isaiah 61 says that we are dressed in a garment of praise. You look these up later and read them. Isaiah 61 also says that God himself adorns us like a beautiful bridegroom and a beautiful bride. He dresses us. Isaiah 61 also says that we wear the robe of righteousness. You ever think about what that robe of righteousness is? You have a straight shot to God as his son or his daughter. That's what that means. I mean, you're in line with him. He put a robe of righteousness on you. And it says you have upon you a robe of salvation. That means you carry the tools to get others set free and delivered. That word salvation means a deliverance. You wear a robe of deliverance. But there's an interesting scripture. That's in Isaiah 61, 10, and 11. In 11, it's interesting. All of a sudden, it goes from telling you about these robes that you wear. And of course, 61, you know, is the one, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. You know the word Spirit? You're going to love this. The word Spirit actually means. Breath of God. Above natural human, or superhuman. Above human. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're above human. You're above the natural way of human. You're a, you're superhuman. I mean, look it up. Look up the word. I'm not telling you anything. It's not there. Superhuman. So, what if God looks at you as a superhuman, as a living above human, and we're looking at ourselves as just old dirty rats, or barely getting by, and we can't make it? And you know, I think that's the trick of the enemy—to always think lower of yourself. But what if we started thinking like God thinks about us? What if we started thinking that way? What would change in our prayer life, in our faith life? But in that last scripture, in Isaiah 61, it says that like a garden springs forth its fruit and its, you know, its plants, its herbs, whatever. So shall righteousness spring forth and salvation spring forth from us. You see, Joseph had to grow into that robe. The sleeves were long, but he had the robe. We have to grow into this. We have to understand, as we are given this these wonderful giftings from God. You know, we're not going to be perfect. We're not. We're going to stumble and fumble and bumble. Now, some of y'all blew it last night. Some of y'all blew it on the way to church. Some of y'all blew it in the hallway out here. (laughs) <laughs> but you did not lose your anointing. You did not lose your robe. You did not lose your sonship. You did not lose your daughtership. You did not lose those things. First Peter chapter two says that we're a chosen generation, a royal, what it's talking about is wearing a royal robe. I'm telling you, if we, were, if we concentrate on more stuff like this, We will stay out of depression way, way more and stay out of stresses and worries. If you can just understand that we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That means a separated unto God is what that means. Holy means separated. A holy nation, a peculiar people. The word peculiar there means treasure of God. 1 Peter 2.9 is telling you that you are God's treasure. That you, should show, that you should show forth the wonderful, marvelous praises of God. Because you've come out of darkness. And you've been translated into the kingdom of His marvelous light. And to show forth those praises is to show forth the mighty works of God through your life. And every one of you are, are. there's no respecter of persons. Right. There's no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. One time I went to lunch with a guy several years ago, Mark, there's a, there's a guy coming to my church, he's trying it out. He's from a big name, you know, Bible college with big name people all around him and you know, and he got to where he was coming up to me and being critical. Well, you didn't say this word right. I said, how could you even understand me? You know? <laughs> Does it matter? Well, you should have taught this way. Or you sh- Well, you know, and he's always crit- critical of me. You know, just, and oh, oh, pastor, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, listen, I need to really talk to you about that scripture you read. You know, start out fluffing me and then, you know. I'll tell you what I wanted to do, but I, I can't say it here. I, no. <laughs> you wouldn't understand it anyway. So. <laughs> I have a story about that. There, there is snake candle in churches in Tennessee, by the way. There is. Uh, not probably 30 miles from us. So, <laughs> yeah. I want to tell you about that, though. I don't want to take too many rabbits. Tra- What'd you do that to me for? <laughs> Kevin, will you escort him out? <laughs> Kevin's my security. I don't even know where I am now. Where was I? Okay. So uh Yeah, so I say one day he invites me out to you go, hey man, let's just go out and have a meal together. I said, this is gonna be interesting. So, <laughs> Where's my gun? No. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally joking. So I went out to meal with him, and, you know, he's got all these Bible degrees, and he's been with these big-name people, and he's superstar, superstar, been to this and done that, and 40 times over, and you never did a thing type person. So I'm sitting there with him, and he's going on about everything and, you know, how great thou art he is. And I'm just sitting there going... Truly amazing, you know. I didn't know what to say, and, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself. I'm just kind of praying on the inside. Do I have a time limit? Okay, and I, I, was, I need to know if I need to go really fast or medium. So I'm good. Okay, medium. All right, so let <laughs> me get in the medium gear. So I'm sitting I was the Lord. I said, "How come you're not using this man? I mean, I, how come you're not using this man?" He's done all these things, and so the waitress came up, and he ordered, you know, and then she came up a few minutes later with the meals. He's still going on. I'm like, really, you know, and she puts his food down, and he looks down at his food, and he looks up at her, and he said, I did not order that. You got that completely wrong, and she said, sir, I'm so sorry, but I just wrote down... I said you got that wrong and I heard the Holy Spirit say that's why I can't use him and it made me realize that day the truth that God is no respecter of persons you're just as important as Billy Graham you know whoever Benny Hinn uh, these great names God bless them I'm glad for them but you have the same robe. You have the same anointing. You have the same Holy Spirit. Don't ever forget that. One day, there was a big famous person in town, and I I love these guys. I'm not being critical. I'm just, and I, I, I went all the way to Chattanooga. They ain't a part of Tennessee, believe me. Forget those guys. They different. No, <laughs> joking. <laughs> We're East Tennessee.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, but I went all the way to Chattanooga to see that years ago, to this, this famous person, and I won't mention names, so don't ask me anything. <laughs> All I want to do is just get there and have that person lay hands on me and get there. And I drove and I drove and I got there and it was late and I got, you know, I couldn't get there in time and traffic and they was closing down the service. But by the time I got there and I went up and they were just sitting on the stage doing nothing and and I and I, and I I walked up to them and I, I was going to say, hey, I just wanted to get you to lay hands on me. I walked up and, and the security guard runs up, don't go another inch, we'll kill you, you know, no, or something like that, I don't know. And... And I was sitting there thinking, I heard the Holy Spirit say, you've got the same anointing. You've got the same Holy Spirit. You don't have to run after flesh. And he taught me something that day. Yeah. Yeah. Just eat this. This is a simple Tennessee message, but just eat it. (laughs) My papa brought me one time this tray of meat. Uh, he lived now. He lived in Sneadville, Tennessee. It's, it's up in the mountain town. It's up in a little, you don't even know where Sneadville is, so don't even try to look for it. It's just, if you go look for it, there's one red light. It's always been that way. The same people have ruled the town for 150 years. It's a little tiny mountain town. He lived up there. He owned 100 acres, a farm, everything. One day he put, a, he put a tray of food in from it, and he's smiling. Go ahead, eat it. I was about 12. Man, I was eating it, eating it. He's just laughing. I didn't realize I ate rabbit, possum, all these things, you know, all this meat I'd never had before. Mm, he's, I said, what is it? He said, chicken. Just eat it. <laughs> A lot of it tasted just like chicken. It was weird. You know? But we, we just eat this meal. Just eat it. Don't worry about it. Just eat it. That's my my papa said, take it in to your spirits, take it into your spirits, and understand that you have a robe on you. Yeah. you it's on you. Good. You see? And your story is still being written. Yes. You see. Okay, let's talk about the prodigal. You brought up the prodigal last night. Yeah. What's the first thing the father did? Oh yes. Yes he did. Yes he did. He put a robe on him. He had to put that robe of acceptance and righteousness. Do you realize that the, the night before probably or the t- two days before he was with prostitutes, he was laying in pig slop. He was in a terrible mess. He had wait. You know what prodigal means? You're going to be surprised. To waste the gifts given. It means to waste the gifts given. Go look it up. That's what it means. That's the Hebrew word or the, that's, that's the Greek word. To waste the gifts that have been given. I always thought prodigal meant, well, he went way over there or something. No, it means to waste the gifts that have been given you. To waste them. Father puts the robe on him. First thing. I want to share probably five more minutes, ten more minutes, but I want you to catch what I'm about to say here. 1980. It was July. I had spent four years getting stoned, getting high, drinking, doing everything I can, getting putting stuff in my body to try to do something about the pain. My dad rode off and left us. My dad was a was a an adulterer. He was trying to break it into the pro golf. Circuit. He hung out with people like Arnold Palmer, Gary Player. I've met Arnold Palmer. I've talked to Arnold Palmer. How many served Arnold Palmer? And uh, when I was ten years old, my dad lived on the golf course. He lived tournament. We, you know, he'd take us to these vacations, and he'd drop us off at ten years old, and he'd disappear and play these tournaments, trying to be a pro. And he lived this. Uh, he w- he went to my mom and said, "And you know, you're talking about this is in." Uh, you know, late 60s, early 70s, he said, I want to have an open marriage. That back then, you know, I mean, you don't do it now, really. It's terrible. But back then, it was like, you know, that would be in the newspaper in Tennessee, let me tell you. You know, and uh, they'd lynch you down there for that. But he went to my mom and said, I want to be in an open marriage. And my mom kicked him out, he rode off at 12 years old. Well, I was 11. I was sitting on my front porch. He rides off on his BSA 650 and leaves us. And so I had a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of anger about that. And so by 13 and 14, my friend and I were breaking in cars. He was breaking. I didn't break in a house. I didn't, but he did. He'd break in We'd steal things, steal liquor, just trying, to f- just trying to fulfill, you know, fill the void, the pain. And so 1980, I'm 18 years old i'm setting i just graduated in may i'm setting in july i call it i call it the dark summer it sounds like a zombie movie or something i I call it the dark summer and (laughs) and i'm sitting there uh, in my living room and i pull all the shades i had pretty hair like my son ben back there if you've seen ben's hair and he's got beautiful long hair and (laughs) you don't let me call him out but i had pretty long hair blonde at the time I know you know I just shave it now but I was sitting in there and I pulled all the shades hot hot summer day I had been stoned all day I'd been drunk all day a few days before I got so stoned and drunk I took quaaludes all that stuff I was laying in the bed and I'm laying there on the bed I get up out of my body and I'm, I'm and I'm walking to the window and then I look back and I see my body laying on the bed I'm like, now, this is really strange. Why am I there? But I'm here. I was the very same. I felt the very same. I had the same feelings, just like I was there, but I was there. I saw my body. So I walked over the window, and I'm like, I think I'm just going to fly out this window. I think I can fly. I believe I can. No. And I, 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 I'm trying to make this a serious moment. And so um, I'm standing at the window, and I look back, and I heard something say, if you don't go lay back down on your body, you're going to die. And so I walk back over to my body. I'm like, okay, well. So I try to get back down in my body, and I couldn't get in. And I got scared. I, I'm two, there's two of me there, here, okay. And finally, I'm laying down trying to move my body, and finally, I click into it. <laughs> And I throw myself out of bed, and I, and I uh, crawl to the bathroom, uh, to the shower, turn it on, and start waking myself. It took me like three hours to wake up to where I felt normal, and it scared me. And that happened a few days earlier. So, but I, it didn't stop me, but it scared me. And do you have any tissue up here? Do I have tissue in South Carolina? So, huh. <laughs> oh, Perfect. Thank you. And uh, so um, I was still getting high. I had, I had Jack Daniels. Man, if we, you know, if, there's a saying in Tennessee. It's a terrible one. But if you, you know, if you're down and depressed, you need to go see Jack or Charlie. Jack Daniels, Charlie Daniels. So I had my Jack Daniels up uh, in my closet. I'm getting drunk again, didn't face me. I'm sitting in my living room, shades drawn, dark day, July, and I hear this knock on the door. Go to the door, there's this little man standing there. And I'm like, yes. I recognized him as a guy that used to go to the church I used to go to occasionally as family. He said, I want you to come to church. I said, no. You know, shut the door. He goes, Mike, I believe God has a plan for your life. He goes, I want you to come back and visit us. Just a little Baptist church. He goes, I want you to come back. I said, mm, let me think. Okay. So I go on to the Kiss concert. I was a big Kiss fan. I go to the Kiss concert, and I'm, and I'm getting high. I'm drunk, and I'm standing in front of Gene Simmons, and I'm screaming and yelling. And I'm just being honest with you. And I get in a fight with a guy because Gene Simmons threw a pick out. And so we both grabbed it, and we're beating each other, and, and I won the pick, I, and I kept it for years. And so I think my best friend stole it. It's terrible, isn't it? But when I was there, <laughs> <laughs> that's the it happened. I don't know how long we rolled on that four hitting each other. I don't, but I, I won that pick. I grabbed his hand finally and, Pull the swingers up. Anyway, but, um, but this girl comes up to me. She's probably 13 years old, 14. She might have been an angel. I don't know. She's a young girl. She said, hey. She goes, mister. I said, yeah. She said, God has a plan for your life. I'm at a kiss concert. What? God has a plan for your life. And she hands me one of those tracks. This was your life. You ever seen those? The real convicting track that used to be chick tracks. How many's ever seen those? And I, I took it and I put it in my pocket, back pocket, you know. Like, all right. I got home and I started reading it, and I'm like, watered it up, threw it away. The next, you know, the next day I came back and it was laying on my bed. Oh, wow. Watered it up, threw it away again. It's laying on my dresser. Wow. Watered it up, threw it away, you know. Trying to get away from this stuff. <laughs> well, uh, long story short, uh, I lost. I had a summer job. I was working with heat and air. That was terrible. I had to crawl up under houses. They used me to do the hard work. Uh, and so the it, it folded everything. I, I had a real cool 240Z Dotson. I had to get. I won't even tell you that story, but I, I had. To, I enrolled in school. Junior College, State Tech, just opened up, and I took the little state of the entrance exam. They sent me, you know, here's your classes. Oh, Mr. Sexton, uh, you're really deficient in reading. I know what I did. I just went and went, you know, just took the test, you know. I didn't try. I halfway try, But they put me in this class with this guy named Richard Townsend, a black brother who took an interest in me. And he said, Mike, I want you to stay after class. I said, okay. He said, God has a plan for your life. (laughs) I keep hearing this. And so he started, and he was working on his doctorate at the University of Tennessee, Pellissippi State. I think God put Pellissippi State or State Tech at the time there for me because it was right down from, it was meeting at Lakeshore campus mental health institute they had a they had a building they weren't using remember that bill and so he would walk to the ut campus well i don't know why i didn't even really like him i don't know but i'd see him walk i said hey man you all right i'm like what am i doing you know and all the way there mike god has a plan for you all the way there god has a plan for you he goes i want to take you somewhere he took me over to this uh, UT Campus Church, man, they're speaking in tongues and praising God. UT athletes that I've seen on TV and stuff, you know, uh, are in there packed into this place. They're worshiping God. I'm like, these guys are crazy. What is going on here? And, and I'm, I'm seeing this thing about God that I'd never seen before, you know. And and uh, this conviction is on me. And I go and end up going to that to a Baptist revival, I go in the back door, sat down, and I hear, I hear Holy Spirit say, you're lost and undone without me, receive me now and I'll save you. I heard it two times. Just, people say there's, oh, I've never heard the audible voice. I heard it because I thought it was a deacon. I'm like, who in the world is talking to me? And I bow my head right there and receive Jesus right there by myself. And I felt something come on me. It was the rope. I got up and I'm like, "What just?" Ha-? I went outside and I'm like, "The grass." I didn't know the grass was green. I didn't know the sky was blue. I'd been living in this gray area. I mean, and I got a bunch of Bibles and the guys I partied with, I went out and started handing out Bibles. The places I used to cruise in my little Z car, you know, we sat back on our, you know, park your car and do this, you know. And, And, oh, we did it, believe me. But I went back there and started sharing Jesus with these people. It just, this thing shifted me. All of a sudden, in 1980 in September, my dad, the adulterer, gets saved in May of 1980. He starts telling me, you got to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He got saved. He was on his way to jump off the Tennessee Bridge. He was going to kill somebody, his, his girlfriend's uh, husband, and kill himself. That's how messed up he was. Somebody gave them a track. My, my, uh, my stepmom, which was this girlfriend at the time, that broke up our family. Somebody gave her a tract. They go to a Pentecostal church. They get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, okay? And so, uh, now he's like, you need the Holy Ghost. I said, what is that? You know, and this is the next July, 1981. I'm in back and I go to the prayer closet. I'm praying, God, give me the Holy Ghost. This changed my dad. I want it. And I hear a sentence, in my head. What is that? I'm wrong, I'm gonna say it. So I said it. And, and, and I get up and I'm like, I think I just got filled with the Holy Ghost or something. And I, I called my dad and I said, Dad, he said, don't say another word. He said, Were you just in your closet? I said, Yeah. He said, Did you have your shirt off? I said, Yeah. He said, Did you just speak in tongues? I said, Yeah. He said, Your stepmom saw it in a vision. God wants you to know it's real. Yeah. The woman who broke up our home, and we're now in fellowship together in the Holy Ghost in the Spirit. What you can't make this stuff up. This thing just keeps rolling. I mean, it's it's incredible. All of a sudden, Bill Gossett, raise your hand. I meet Bill at the hospital. Okay, and I said, Bill, let's start. Our, we, I played bass. Bill played drums says, let's start a Christian rock band or something. Let's do something. We start a Christian rock band. My wife is the lead singer. I won't tell you that whole story. It's crazy. We, we did so well. We went out preached Jesus, rock and rolled it. Man, it was I'm having a blast. We had a recording contract getting ready to do it, but it wasn't God's will. But everything we touched, the rock, it was like the anointing just took everything we did. And uh, we had an opportunity to 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 tour or to do all that full time. But the Lord said, No, I I want you to go youth pastor and pastor. We gave it up. Bill went to play with a band, another band. I became a youth pastor and I led a young man to Christ, Monique and I did, and taught him how to play, helping him with his. I didn't teach him how to play, but I gave him his first music. His name's Kevin Young of Disciple. If you've ever heard of the group Disciple, they've been touring for 20 years. We saw him last week uh, in Maryville, Tennessee. 15 kids came to Christ. They've, been touring, they've led thousands to the Lord. The robe is transferable. Thousands, I'm talking thousands. If I hadn't have given that up, see, God had a bigger fruit planned. Now we're back together just for fun. It's a lot of fun, isn't it, Bill? The robe that is upon you, listen, you all, the robe that is upon you is active. And today, in just a minute, I'm gonna pray for you I'll, and I'm fast. Okay, I go fast. I don't mess around. I don't okay. I'm gonna hear 15 of your problems. I love you, but no. I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you very quick, okay? And the and the Lord's gonna charge your robes. He's gonna charge them up. Okay? Charge them up. He's gonna amp them up. I could tell you so much about this. You know, we became youth pastors, and then we became pastors. Then we start. Do you realize? Just a few months ago, I was sitting in my living room thinking about killing myself. Yeah. Then I'm in the Soviet Union preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. They're 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 uh, they're telling me to come into the. What? How is this happening? I'm from Tennessee. <laughs> this don't happen. I'm. You know. I just. I'm in the Soviet Union, and they're asking me to come in and preach the gospel into the universities, into the grade schools, into the high schools. The doctor stood outside of the hospital and said, please come in pray for every patient in this hospital. We're out of money. We're out of medicine. Just a few months earlier, I was sitting there thinking about killing myself, depressed. I was so depressed, I pulled my hair out. And now I'm in the Soviet Union in the Ukraine. Exactly what's going on. Let me tell you, the Ukraine people are very spiritual people. And those we've led a lot of those people to the Lord. And it just kept going that rope transfers. Yeah. Let me end with this right here. So Steve, raise your hand. That's Steve back there. He's my youth pastor. Five years ago, was it five? Five years ago, Steve and I kind of get, and just a little—it's just a little thing where you didn't agree, and I told Steve to go find another church. What about that, Steve? Right back there, and and I said, Steve, it's better that you go on. Steve comes back to me, and he humbles himself. A few, what, two years ago, a year ago, he humbles himself and says, "My daughter, Kristen." she's been having all kinds of problems and she's threatened to kill herself and all this stuff. And she said, Daddy, I want to go back to Pastor Mike and Moe's church. And so Steve did a big thing. He didn't have to do this because listen, I don't know if you've ever had to say, hey, go find another church. It hurts a pastor's heart too. It, it was hurtful. But he comes back. He passed the test. He comes back and he humbles himself. And because Kristen said to him one day, I need to go get my healing. I know where I can get it. And they came back as a family. And, uh, and I said, okay, we're going to get you through RTF, get you healed up. And he has been there about six, eight months, a year maybe. And, and one Wednesday night, Dean, our youth pastor, he came to me and I don't have a thing. I've been busy all day. I, I look in our youth room. There's three new youth in there. And Dean's like, I don't have anything, Pastor Mike. What are we going to do? He goes, like, I've been, you know, whatever. And I, I walk into the living room, I mean, into the um, sanctuary, and there sets, I'm praying in tongues. I said, what am I going to do, Lord? There's three new youth in there. Should I go in and teach? And the Holy Spirit says, Steve. I look up in there, Steve. I said, Steve. I said, do you have a message for the youth? And he looked at me, and his eyes were about this big. He said, why, yeah, I do. I said, go in there and teach it. You're up to bat. This is a guy that I told him to go find another church. But the story gets better. Kristen's getting her healing there. Steve's now our youth pastor, and his wife, Francis. the group, is doing fantastic. That robe is transferring. There's a little test along the way sometimes. But then Kristen, the other day, uh, well, about three or four weeks ago, she's in beauty school. She brings this girl named Brooke. Brooke has been through hell. She's, she, uh, her boyfriend tried to set her on fire. She's been, uh, you know, an alcoholic at what, 20 years old, 21 years old? An alcoholic already. She, Hmm? A Satan worshiper. She comes into the church and sits down. The Holy Ghost gets her. She gets messed up. First time she's ever been messed up. She came, she's been there for three weeks. Last Sunday, she raised her hand and said, Pastor, she goes, I've been sober for three weeks. I'm free. Yeah, give God praise for that. You can make this stuff up, but this robe functions on us and on you. And it changes lives. You remember what I said about Joseph? It changes nation. It changes Pharaoh's house. It's on you. Everybody point to yourself and say it's on me. Amen. It's on you. You're he's, you're his treasure. You are his treasure. You don't you don't get it. You don't get it. You know, you ain't got it yet. You ain't got it. I see it go over your head. You're God's treasure. And this is his treasure chest. And it just keeps going to generation to generation. It just takes a response to say yes. And, and you get the robe of righteousness, the robe of salvation. All right, last story. There's a, there's, there's a guy. You need to watch this movie. It's called Sergeant York. How many of you have ever heard of Sergeant York? You know his story? So Sergeant York was a brawler, a drunkard, a rough guy, a Tennessee boy. He's a tough guy. I mean, he's just fighting all the time and, and just a rough. Nobody wanted to be around him. Somebody went, and he was going to buy a piece of land. Somebody went and, tr- and bought it before he did, and he was on his way to kill him. He's, and, and, and when he's on his way to kill him, a lightning strikes his gun and bends the barrel. It's a true story. And he falls down on his knees and said, "Oh God, you certainly have spoke to me. Save me!" He gets up. This robe comes on him. Something comes on him. He's like, "What happened to me?" This robe of righteousness comes on him. The robe of salvation. The tools to get people set free. He's like, "What's going on?" He went to the guy and apologized. He started preaching the gospel. He, you know, he he changes in. And all of a sudden, there's World War I. He gets drafted into World War because I'm not going to shoot. Any. I mean, I'm not fighting. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll do anything, but I'm not going to fight. He said, you know, I'll serve another way. Well, it didn't work. They put a rifle in his hand. He's with seven or eight other guys, small unit. They're trying to, to defend a the town. There's 150 Germans, Nazi Germany, coming to destroy this town. Ten people, 150 people. They they're into this fierce fire, you know this attack. The Lord tells him, He says, "I want you to crawl up around the mountain to the top of it. You know, I'll protect you." And he gets up there and he starts doing a Tennessee turkey call. He gets up there with his rifle. He goes, woo, woo, or whatever it is, and they and they start poking their head up out of the out of the, you know where they were, and 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 he starts firing on them. All of a sudden, out of the blue, a, a hundred and th- 50 or 30, it's over 100 Germans decide to to surrender to seven men. Sergeant York, he he was a private then. He marches them. You know what they do? 130 march back to the camp or to uh, wherever they marched. They marched them like 20 miles to to the U.S. camp, and they fed them. And he ends up, and and he gets. Oh, you saved lives. How did this happen? The robe, the robe of righteousness, the robe of salvation, the robe of praise is on you. It's on you. You all just have got to understand it and receive it, and know that you are God's treasure. You are His treasure. So this is a real simple message. I think it's gonna change you forever if you'll just take it. I'm still s I'm still taking it. Cause you know, a lot of y'all are under condemnation. A lot of y'all are still under a sin consciousness where you think you're not good enough, you've done this, you've done that, you're you know, God is you know, well he accept me Thursday, but I don't think he liked me Tuesday, you know. You've not got the revelation that you're his treasurer. He treasures you. And so what I want to do today is uh and I, I will have to do it, you know, I don't know how we need to do it, but just come up some at a time, maybe four or five, I don't know. Just fill it up and then I I don't know, we can just man, we can just make it crazy chaotic if y'all want to. I don't care. Just don't fall on a table. <laughs> But if I would like to pray for you real quick, okay, I'm gonna go quick. And guys, my guys, I want you to be ready to catch and help. I want you to go, so come on up real quick, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna pray for you. But once I pray for you, that's it. Okay? You come on up here. The imaginary line is right here. Right in here, maybe. I don't know. Middle. There you go. Yeah, that's good. Come on up. Ah, glorious if you need to wait till the first crew gets off the floor <laughs> it's okay we'll get to you be patient don't be in a hurry if you're if you've ever had surgery you don't jump up off the surgery table you know you got to be patient little just <laughs> Oh God. Holy Spirit, you're so good. Holy Spirit, I ask you as I just go by and touch these, that you'll just recharge the robe and you'll show them a revelation about how you treasure them. Wow. See here, the anointing's already here.
0: if you haven't received prayer yet space is over to the side here thank you Father thank you Father um uh. you to allow God to show you wow the purpose of your clothing with his robe to share with others what he's given to you to share with others what he's clothed you with together after we close the, the formal meeting time I encourage you to bless others to pray for one another to encourage one another to be family together we will start to cook shortly and the food will be ready after a while but just stick around and share life with one another Pray for one another. Enjoy God's presence together.